the story continues. Well, before I get started, I would like to dispel some rumors that are going around. Uh, first of all, um, Bat Rock has had hip surgery. It was not due to a struggle he had with an angel overnight, and the angel did not pop his hip out of joint, just to lay that straight. Also, yes, he was actually a uh, wild animal tamer in his older days, and he did stick his arm down the throat of a lion to keep from being mauled. Those are true, but not, not the hip. Now, last week we studied about Jesus' birth, a miraculous birth, and this week we will see Jesus as a man coming into his own. We will see the beginning of his ministry. As I began preparing for this sermon, I realized that there was a common theme throughout the main events uh, as I went through them. And the theme I saw was being prepared. Uh, I think as we go through here, we're going to find several important ways that we need to be prepared, including preparing ourselves for spiritual warfare, preparing ourselves for spiritual attack, preparing ourselves for the unexpected, and finally, preparing ourselves for victory. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for all the blessings you've given us. And I just pray that you prepare our hearts, our souls, and our minds to receive the Holy Spirit. We know that your word will not come back void. And I just pray that you bless each and every one of us, help us to be a light in this world. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, first let's back up a little bit, and we're going to go back to Isaiah, the prophet. God speaks about his chosen servant in Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 7. I'm going to read verses 1, 6, and 7. Here's my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. So we come to the fulfillment of that scripture as Jesus begins his ministry. First we have John the Baptist preparing the way for the Lord as his eyes Isaiah also prophesied. Luke covers the story of, of John the Baptist, his miraculous conception, his birth, and uh, the whole story of, of his father and mother. And it's quite a story, but I don't have time to go into that. There's a lot I didn't have time to go into. But we're going to pick up with John in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locust and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. 
they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me, one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now enters Jesus in chapter 3, verses 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Now, first of all, have you ever thought about why Jesus was baptized in the first place? I mean, wasn't this a baptism of repentance? Wasn't this confess your sins, repent, and be baptized? I mean, wouldn't he have a little bit of a hard time doing that? I mean, you know, you go in, no sin, nothing to repent from. That must have been awkward for him, you know? It's like, well, I really don't have anything to say, but, you know, come on, John, let's do this. So, have you ever wondered why he had to be baptized? He felt he had to be baptized. Well, luckily, I have the answer. That's right. You know, I'm sure it was important that Jesus show the way. Um, I'm sure that he wanted to show us how to follow. I'm sure he wanted to show us how to obey. But um, for the actual answer, let's go to the next uh, verse, and he pretty much tells us himself. Then Jesus, excuse me, course, she's faster than I am. Jesus tells us, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. It's just that easy. It's to fulfill all righteousness. And what does that mean? Ask Andy. He'll tell you. (laughs) But that's the answer. That's the answer Jesus gave. And that's good enough for me. Now, at this point, Jesus is baptized. And that is when all heaven broke loose. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. You know, I have to think that baptism has to be a pretty important part of of God's covenant with God, or with us. It's got to be pretty important that we follow Jesus' example. He obviously felt it was important. It's also important that maybe we obey when he tells us we should be baptized. I mean... If you were back in Egypt and, and God told you, hey, you need to put blood over your, your doorpost or the angel of death is going to come and kill your son. Hmm, well, I'll think about it. You know, well, do I really have to? I wonder if I could just use red paint, you know, if that would be good enough or maybe just put some on the doormat. Maybe that'd be good. It all depends on how important obedience is. And I think if Jesus is going to show us the way, I think it must be pretty important. 
So for me, I'd rather not chance it. I think repentance is an important part of the Christian walk. We must confess our sins and turn away from them, thus coming face to face with God, or at least facing in His direction. Because repentance is, it's a military term, meaning about faith. So when we are living a life of sin, we're heading away from God. And when we choose to repent, we choose to accept that we actually do sin, we turn around and we face God. We come face to face with our Creator. And then, and only then, can He change our lives. So, we can't wait till we're perfect to become a Christian I wish we could, but it just would never happen. You know, sometimes we want all the answers before we take the step. Sometimes we feel like we need to know the whole Bible before we choose to be a Christian. But that's not what it's all about. It's just about submitting yourself to God, giving yourself to Him, and making the choice that you want to be His and live in His kingdom. Believe that Jesus was the Christ. He did come for us. The Lord told Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, My power is made perfect in weakness, so don't feel like you have to know it all. As a matter of fact, when your weakness shows, then God is that much stronger. When you allow Him to fight your battles instead of doing it yourself. We need to realize that God will fight and win our spiritual battles, but that is what we should focus on. Not the physical or tangible, but our spiritual battles. We have to realize this is a spiritual battle, and it's not physical. That's, you know, this is interesting that from here, this point right here in Scripture on, you hear all kinds of things about demons and all kinds of things about Satan. And yet, how many times through the Old Testament have you heard one word about a demon? Maybe Satan in the Garden of Eden, Satan tempting Job, but that's about it that I can recall. I'm not a theologian. But until this point, all of a sudden, the spiritual warfare begins, and it is open so everyone can see it, and Jesus is the answer, and Jesus is our tank, if you will, to to, uh, live in to fight those battles. So what happens next? The Holy Spirit lights on Jesus and everyone immediately becomes followers of Jesus. End of story. I'm done. Fifteen minutes to spare. Man, I'm good. No, not quite. You see, I can tell you from experience that when you make a decision for God, be prepared for attacks. I guarantee you, when your heart goes out to God, when you choose to really make a difference in His kingdom, and you choose to humble yourself and allow Him to let you see where your weaknesses are and work through those weaknesses, the bat phone rings in Satan's apartment. And, and he, knows, he knows what's going on. And He will attack you. And, and He knows your sweet spots. He does. He will put everything in your way to keep you from, from following through. And we're going to see that right now. He even tries that with Jesus. Now, though this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry, it is also what I call 
the beginning of Satan's sinistry, if you will. I mean, that's what we're talking about. Open spiritual warfare. When Jesus is shown by God to be the Christ, Satan is all over him. No doubt he thought he could knock him off like he did the first Adam. You know, I mean, here Adam was in paradise, and it was easy. I mean, seriously? He said a couple of lines, and <laughs> he was done. And, and man went into to eternal death. I mean, you know, they had to, had to give sacrifices to, to get through all this, and it was horrible for them. And, but <laughs> it didn't quite work out that way. He was still trying, even though he, he knew that, that Jesus was the Christ, and I don't know how much he knew. I haven't um, seen his notes or anything. But he waits until Jesus is vulnerable. Now, let's look at Matthew 4, verses 3 through 11. The tempter came to him and said, Hmm. Okay, I'm going to go with you. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Okay, we kind of see how Satan has his tactics laid out. First of all, he wears you down. Jesus had been out, led by the Spirit, mind you, out into the desert to be tempted by Satan. Forty days he hasn't eaten anything, and he was very hungry. So, what does Satan do? He pulls up a Atlanta bread cart, probably, you know, cooking you know, a whole bunch of bread and stuff, and, and lets him smell that, and he goes, you know, if you really are the Son of God, which I doubt, but if you are, then prove it to me. Make these, these stones turn into bread. Okay, number one, he throws doubt. He wants to try to make you think that the authority given to you is not real. Okay? He makes you doubt your own. He didn't do that to Jesus, but that's what he tries to do to us. And then he throws a physical temptation out there. You know, he, he appeals to our physical nature, and he's really good at that because we are, after all, made of flesh. And so he comes to us, hey, make this into bread. I mean, that's, that's kind of along the lines of 
a boy going to a, a girl and saying, if you really love me, you'll have sex with me. I mean, first of all, that's not what love is all about. That's not what Jesus is all about. And so he kind of intertwines these, these two things, and he likes to, to put the, the spiritual and kind of mix them in with the physical. And he'll, he'll get you a lot of times like that. A lot of times. He snares us. Haven't had a lot of sleep. Haven't had a lot of food. You're very temptable at that point. Even John the Baptist, when he was in prison, I mean, maybe he was thinking about the, the scripture we'd read earlier about, you know, Jesus releasing those in the dungeon, but he's down in the dungeon thinking, hey, I want to get out of here. And Satan, I'm sure, is just pounding on John to the point where John goes out and says, hey, go ask Jesus, is he really the one? I mean, he knew he was the one. He, God had told him, you know, the one that you see, the Holy Spirit come down and light on like a dove, that is the one. He knew it. He had, he had told everyone about it. He had witnessed for Jesus. And yet, Satan chisels away, chisels away, and chisels away at our foundation if we let him. So, we always have to be prepared for attacks. They're going to come from the places that you least expect them or most expect them. If you have a weakness, Satan knows it. And now, the next preparation that that we need to think about, and I apologize, there's a podcast out there, and so I'm going to have to kind of say on the podcast what I'm doing because you can see it, and they can't. He holds a ball in his hand. He raises it up. With this ball, I'm going to make this ball that everyone in here can see, I'm going to make this ball disappear. He takes the ball. He waves his other hand up in the air. And quickly, magically, they're all mesmerized by his other hand. (laughs) The ball quickly, fast as light, goes towards his mouth and follows. And disappears. (laughs) I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, wow! (laughs) Right? Right. You're thinking, where did that ball go? Right? But if only an illusion. <laughs> if only an illusion. I promise you. So, where am I now? I am going to make your ball reappear. <laughs> oh yeah, I know, right? So, here we go. He's waving his hand up in the air. He has him mesmerized and quickly he moves his hand in front of his mouth, oh. the ball appears in front of everyone. I know what you're thinking. Wow, right? It was only an illusion. Okay? My next point is always be prepared for the unexpected. You all did not expect to see a master magician up here, did you? That's right. God will throw you curves all the time. And and he does that in our spiritual walk as well. You see, when Jesus came along, he had lots of followers after he had gone through these temptations and after he had beaten Satan like nobody's business. He started his actual ministry with people. And 
the ministry he had, uh, he created lots of followers. Uh, he had uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They followed him. They followed him all over the place. I mean to tell you, they followed him. They probably followed him to the bathroom stall. I mean, they followed him through the wheat fields, you know. I can just, I can just picture, you know, Urkel down, you know, walking behind him and his disciples and in that wheat field, you know, and then popping up. Hey! Hey, excuse me! Are you supposed to be down there now? You're eating kernels of wheat and it is the Sabbath day! They do that, I mean, they come to him, you know, it's like, he's trying to have dinner at a tax collector's home, and you can just imagine, you know, all of a sudden, through the window, you see, (laughs) hello! Excuse me for the podcast, I'm pressing my nose on the front of the (laughs) thingamajigger I'm preaching on. Are you eating with tax collectors? Well, they're sinners. Oh, they're unclean. Don't you know what you're doing? And you call yourself the Son of God? Oh, my goodness. It's not what they thought. It was totally unexpected. But they followed him. They followed him everywhere. Because they didn't understand. They went to the point of following him into synagogues to listen to his words. But did they try to accept his words? No. They were so hardened to the point he had to get a man with a shriveled hand to stand up in front of all of them. And at this point, he was really frustrated with them because they were looking for a reason to accuse him. They were looking for a reason to to say, oh, you did something wrong. And so he gets right in their face and he says, stand up, please, to the man with a withered hand. And he has him stand up and he heals him right there, right in front of him. And he says, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? And they didn't get it. They were infuriated when they saw a man healed. That's how hard their hearts were. Because they weren't looking for the unexpected. Well, there was one man. His name was Nicodemus. We call him Nick at Night. He was a Pharisee leader, and, and that's saying something. Um, he had heard about Jesus, he had seen Jesus, and he came to him at night. Okay, he didn't have a whole lot of gumption. He, he was still a little nervous about the other leaders, and, and he wasn't really sure what was going on, but he did know something, that all these miracles that were going on had to have come from God. He did get that. And so, he goes to Jesus at night. And he says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Well, what's the next slide? (laughs) See, when when Nicodemus asked Jesus how 
this could be and what he needed to do. I can see your, your little... You, you can't read that, can you? I couldn't either at first, but then Lorna explained it to me. Okay? It's Hebrew. So you got to start down here at the bottom on the right and work your way up and to the left. Is that better? See? See, see what we did there? Jesus' answer is the next slide. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And I guarantee you that Nicodemus's expression was probably about the same as yours when you saw that go up there. He didn't have a clue what he was talking about. I mean, his, his thought was purely physical. I mean, that's all God had shown through the entire Old Testament. Purely physical. Born again. Mom, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that'd be a tough conversation to have, right? But that's all he could come up with. They had no idea about the spiritual nature that Jesus was trying to talk to them about. And then, let's follow on. How can someone be born again when they're old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And he was serious. He's like, he didn't get it. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Hmm. Of water and the Spirit. It's kind of neat. Baptism and baptism of redemption the Holy Spirit gives you he does all kinds of wonderful things flesh gives birth to flesh but the spirit gives birth to spirit you should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again the wind blows wherever it pleases you hear its sound but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going so it is with everyone born of the spirit how can this be? Nicodemus asked. Again, we've got this spirit versus physical. You are Israel's teacher, Jesus said, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify of what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Wow. Do you all remember that story about the snake? Well, what had happened was the Israelites were grumbling, okay? And the Israelites were, were saying, what are we doing out here? I don't like the food. Have you, I mean, how many times do we have to eat this bread stuff and all this and, and really just nagging? And all of a sudden, serpents, snakes, started biting people and they started dying. And they came to Moses and they said, oh, we were so wrong. We were nagging about God. Ooh. 
and now we're all getting eaten by these snakes. What do we do? What do we do? And God told Noah, God told Moses, different story, put a bronze snake on top of a staff and hold it up. And whenever someone gets bitten by a snake, have them look up at the snake and they will live. Okay? Jesus had to be lifted up. Now, I have to give Nicodemus a little bit of credit here. He would have no clue that Jesus was going to be crucified, that Jesus was going to be lifted up on a cross, and that you would have to look up to Jesus and believe on Him to have your sins taken away, to have your sins nailed to that cross. You see, the snake was what was killing the people. Right? The sin is what's killing spiritually the people. And so Jesus took on all our sin, and so we're looking at the snake. We're looking at the sin up on the cross. He was cursed up there. And yet he overcame it. And on the third day rose again. That's another part of the story. Now, it's interesting that in James 1, 13 through 15, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Isn't it interesting? You're either born again into eternal life, or what James is saying, you're born again into eternal death. It's one way or the other. You're going to be born again. We've got to remember that. So we need to be prepared for anything. <laughs> so being prepared for the unexpected demands trusting and obeying God, even when we don't understand why He asks us to do certain things. Just obey and trust Him. That's all he's asking us to do. He's got a really good track record. 100%. Never broken a promise. Always follows through. And the good news, well, John 3.16 through 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. If you're a baptized believer today, it's my prayer that you prepare for battle because it's here. Whether you want it or not, it's out there. All you got to do is Put your spiritual goggles on and you'll see it all around you. I pray that you fill your heart with God. Humble yourself. Empty yourself so God can fill you, so he can fight your battles for you. If you are a non-believer, I pray that you come and, and find out more about this Christ that I've been talking about. If you haven't been baptized and want to make that decision, please come forward. We've got our elders up here. We've got Andy up here. We'd love 
to talk with you. If you'd like to make that decision today, we'll be more than happy to take care of that as well, to baptize you in the baptismal. We can do that. And if you are here and would like to make a decision to be a member of a, of a Bible-believing church that wants to be active for God, feel free. We can take care of that too. Just come forward as we sing. Please stand as we sing this next song. The worship time has been awesome for me. It is now time to go. So let us go today and every day this week and prepare our hearts and our souls and our minds for the spiritual battles that we want God to help us out with and to God, the God that will fight those battles for us. And we need to prepare ourselves to respond to the doors he opens and to the opportunities he gives us. And so, as we prepare ourselves to respond, prepare yourselves for victory. Because God has already won the war. We just have to play it out. So now please, sing with us as we close.